Hello, listeners, and welcome to Day 716 of Mercury, a broadcast of hope on WEHG. Today, it's Agnes and me in the booth. And Wordy Birdie. And Wordy Birdie's words. It seems that Miss Birdie is not just a local journalist. She's a listener. She caught our broadcast a few weeks ago when I objected to her article in the Fence Avenue Journal on using zombie meat in worm bins, which would create fertilized soil for crop-growing gardens. Since then, she and I have become pen pals of a sort, and after our last communication, we decided that an abridged version of our letter should be made public. I've asked Agnes here to read Bernie's parts for your listening ease. This letter is the first letter sent by Wordy Birdie to Dr. Clark directly after the incident. My dearest Dr. Clark, I'd like to start by apologizing for upsetting you with my article. I love listening to your broadcast and have come to look up to you as a caring and authoritative figure. I am thrilled by your continued research and admire your tenacity. Sometimes that kind of motivation can be hard to call up, and yet you stick with it. On behalf of myself and all the people I know, thank you very much. Oh, I'm only supposed to read the marked parts, aren't I? That's what I intended. Why didn't you stop me? I didn't want to be rude. Uh Uh-huh. Please continue, Agnes. Okay. My dearest Dr. Clark, I understand your objections to the publication of untested theories with potentially life-threatening side consequences, but I wish to discuss what does and what does not count as untested. Oh, she comes off much differently when you only read the marked parts. Okay, we only have five minutes, and the marked parts are what's pertinent to our public discussion. If you say so. We're well into our second year of this zombie event, and the sheer volume of zombies and re-killed zombies has made it so that soil contamination and rainwater runoff contamination are impossible to avoid. Therefore, it's not a leap to say that zombies are currently in our diet on some level. (sighs) This being the case, and seeing that no new unbitten zombies have come into existence within our and our neighbors' boundaries, I think it is safe to assume that A, if it's a problem, we're already doomed, and B, it doesn't seem to be a problem. This brings me to the next point you raised, why risk it at all? The answer is simple. We need to get rid of the bodies. Individually, they tend to decompose quickly enough, and one does get used to the constant stench. But it's not healthy to have decaying bodies lying around our living spaces in large quantities. It's also riskier to send people outside of the safe areas to discard the bodies than it is to make purposeful use of them, in a way we'd already been accidentally making use of them inside the safety of our palisaded community. In response, I sent her the following. Dear Miss Wordy Birdie. You could just call her by her real name. She's signed all the letters with it. No, she wants to remain Wordy Birdie publicly, and I will comply with her request. Aw, you big old softie. Thank you for your letter and your kind words. I am glad to see that you do take care and responsibility for what you write. I acknowledge that you have a vetting process in pre-publication stages. However, I remain unconvinced that it is rigorous enough. 
I see a large gap between unintentionally ingesting trace amounts of contaminants through rainwater runoff and intentionally using ounces of meat as a soil additive. It could be the amount ingested plays a large role in whether we suffer consequences. Also, I'm not convinced that water and soil contamination is unavoidable. Most people lucky enough to live in the relatively safe communities are now boiling their water to make it potable, and many of us use personal gardens that we keep inside our safe zones and away from zombie contaminants. Lastly, you are correct that the corpses of people who die from contagious diseases are a health risk. I think, again, that makes a better argument for not using them in food than for. Birdie's turn? Yes. My dearest Dr. Clark, I am enjoying our conversation immensely, but a new idea has occurred to me. It does not matter who is right in this instance. It does for this issue, but the bigger issue is that I believe we both have valid points and that both should be available to the public before publication. I will continue our previous conversation through subsequent letters, but in the immediate future, would you consider being a safety editor for the Fence Avenue Journal? This does not mean you'll be allowed to censor what another person wants to publish, but it will give you the opportunity to elucidate your point of view to the reader. I don't believe in making other people's choices for them, but I do believe in arming them with knowledge so that they can make the best possible informed decision. What do you say? Would you like to be my girl Friday? Oh, Dr. Clark, that's so exciting. Go on. I can't wait to hear what you wrote back. I didn't write back. I've been thinking it over quite a bit. It does sound like someone needs to add the counter viewpoint, but I don't want anything else to take me away from my research. I'm already swamped trying to think of contingency plans for and if the horde arrives. Hasn't your research been a bit stymied lately? Maybe this could open you up to new ideas. And while the horde is advancing, we don't know that it'll come here. True, but if it does, or if I get a breakthrough, I don't want to leave them in the lurch either. It's not a decision to make lightly, and every time I think I've made it, I start arguing with myself again. Well, what do you want to do? I feel obligated to give the counter viewpoint because people's lives are at stake, and I might be the determining factor. Obligated? Dr. Clark, you serve the people every day. You give everything you have to your research and to keeping our team going. Yes, this would be a good cause, but you're not the only one who can do it. Maybe you've done your part by opening their eyes to the need for the counter viewpoint, but just because you're the one who pointed it out doesn't mean you're the one who has to do it. I promise you're doing enough as it is. Thank you, Agnes. I really needed to hear that. You're right. It's a sense of guilt or responsibility pushing me in this direction, but sometimes the most responsible thing to do is know when to say enough. Hear, hear. Bertie, if you're listening, thank you for the offer, and I do hope you find someone to fill this position, but it can't be me. I hope you understand and that we can continue to write to each other socially. I'm sure from the parts of the letters our listeners didn't get to hear that she'll more than understand, Dr. Clark. If she's listening to us, she knows that we have to take care of one another. And sometimes the best way to do that is by taking care of ourselves first. So for Mercury, 
a broadcast of hope. I'm Agnes Drew. And I'm Dr. Clark. Take care of each other.